Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. We've helped organizations all across the United States streamline, optimize, implement, and revolutionize their HR operations. And today we're going to be taking a look at some new OSHA updates that have come down the way. So let's dive right in. So First thing to know is that during the COVID-19 crisis, OSHA has been heavily criticized for its lack of response. They've been considered missing in action by many people who watch the industry. Um, What has happened is that they are now going to start enforcing COVID-19 reporting uh, for all employers across the United States. So, As non-essential workplaces have begun to reopen or prepare to reopen across the country, OSHA has updated its guidance to provide for more on-site inspections and enforce record-keeping and reporting requirements against all employers. This, again, comes because they've been criticized, and so what happened on May 18th is the AFL-CIO, largest union uh, in the world, I believe, but at least in the United States, sued the agency on May 18th. They uh, that asked the D.C. Court of Appeals to step in um, and get force the the OSHA to issue guidance around these topics. On May 19th, the very next day, OSHA issued its updated interim enforcement response plan for coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19. That's linked on our website, peopleprocesses.com. If you're listening to this podcast-only version, you need to check it out on there. It goes into effect May 26th. I'm recording this on May 25th, but I think you probably won't hear this until about a week later. Uh, what happens is that it rescinds its prior version. Uh, and it provides direct instructions. It's written for the, the, the OSHA in, inspectors and what they're supposed to do. Uh, it provides instructions for their area offices and what they call their CSHOs, their Compliance, Safety, and Health Officers, for handling COVID-19. Uh, and that's important because they release it publicly so that we can see what they want us to do. Primarily, it's going to increase onset inspections. <clears throat> they, infor- they updated the enforcement guidance Um, It's going to increase that inspection in all types of workplaces. The new guidance reflects changing circumstances in which many non-critical businesses have begun uh, to reopen in areas of lower community spread. The risk of transmission is lower in specific categories of workplaces, and PPE, personal protective equipment, that is potentially needed for inspections is more widely available. So OSHA says they can now inspect those things more safely. Uh, that's a problem because they originally they, they stopped a lot of enforcement because they were afraid they'd, they'd get COVID. Um, they've also issued a new enforcement guidance for recording cases. And this is really the broader key. Uh, for those of you who are, who've never really dealt with OSHA, this is the bigger deal. Starting May 26, the revised guidance, again, linked on our site, will require employers to record cases of the coronavirus if the case is confirmed as coronavirus is work-related, as defined by 29 CFR 1904.5, and involves one or more of the general recording criteria, again in 1904, but it's .7. That means medical treatment beyond first aid or days uh, away from work. So this is the key here. The new thing is that you're going to have to report COVID-19 cases um, if they came from work, which is going to be difficult to prove, but... It's going to be difficult to prove they didn't as well. So 
Under the new policy, OSHA is going to enforce those record-keeping requirements for all employee coronavirus illnesses for uh, all employers. Under the earlier April 10th guidance, record-keeping requirements were not required under certain circumstances for employers in the healthcare industry. Uh, emergency response organizations, correctional institutions, they've removed that. If you're a home healthcare agency, this applies to you now. Uh, it, it didn't before. It applies to everybody. So here's how it breaks out. I, I went through the whole Section 1904 law. First thing is that uh, you're exempt if you have fewer than 10 employees. Uh, you do not need to keep OSHA injury and illness records unless OSHA tells you otherwise. Uh, but there is, it doesn't matter your size. Uh, you must report to OSHA any work-related incidents that result in a fatality or the inpatient hospitalization of one or more employees, an amputation, or the loss of an eye. So you don't have to keep track of every illness, but if someone gets hospitalized inpatient because of one, you do have to. Since coronavirus has at times led to inpatient uh, hospitalization, this is why I'm bringing this up, even for those of you who have two, two employees. If you had more than 10 employees at any given time, you must keep an OSHA injury and illness record all the time unless you're part of the partially exempt industry list under 1904.2. We'll get to that at the end. Uh, but most com- or many companies, you have to you have to record every injury. But if you have uh, uh, if you have more than ten employees, unless you're on that partially exempt list, we'll come to that in a second. As a reminder, you have to do this uh, if you if they if anyone's hospitalized. So let's recap. They've uh, OSHA has updated their new. Uh, enforcement guidance. It's a worth a read if you want to know what that actually, what they're going to do when they come check out your organization. If you have an employee who gets coronavirus and they allege or you determine that it's a workplace injury, that they got it from coming to work, you have to record it. You have to report it to OSHA. If you have more than 10 employees and are not on the partially exempt list, or no matter your company size or industry, if it results in a hospitalization. You have to keep an injury log and report it. This is different. Coronavirus fell under an exemption similar to the cold and the flu that you didn't have to report this stuff. But starting on May 26th, that's tomorrow uh, for me, uh, Memorial uh, Day after Memorial Day, this went into effect. So take a close look. And if you don't know anything about how to do an OSHA report, it may be worth taking a little bit of time. Reach out to us. Uh, there's actually places in our software uh, for people processes where you can automatically record these things if you have our HR suite. Uh, of course, there's you can do this on paper. You can keep an OSHA log. But this will likely be the first time that small employers or any size employers who are on that partially exempt list that they feel like they need that they're going to be that they're going to have to do some OSHA reporting. Okay, so. Uh, I want to bring it up. I wanted you to have the opportunity to kind of know it's coming and and go ahead and get ahead of it. It's really not that bad. Many companies do OSHA reporting. Uh, if you've never done one before, it's a little scary, but it's it's not too bad. Uh, when you're looking at this, the primary question is going to be, did the employee contract this illness at work? So if you are doing daily temperature scans uh, or you're in a high-risk industry, uh, I mean, let me rephrase that. If you're in a high-risk industry, like if you're a home health care worker, hospice care, long-term care, uh, anything medical, really, 
the preponderance of evidence is going to be that they got it at work. The, their likelihood of exposure is that they got it at work, and you need to just rock with this. Previously, until you know this came out on the 19th, you guys were exempt from the OSHA side of this because you were too busy. <laughs> They've decided you're not. So uh, if you're a healthcare professional and one of your employees says they have COVID, you pretty much have to assume they got it from you and uh, record it and report it. If you're not in healthcare, if you're in a lower risk industry, or, or there's actually very high risk, and then there's what's called high risk. Uh, high risk are things with high propensity to contact with other uh, with with members of the general public. Uh, common examples are are things like uh, schools, right? They fall under this. You also pretty much fall under the likelihood that they got it from you, right? So if you're a school teacher or a daycare and you you're interacting with lots and lots of children every day. The likelihood is if an employee comes to you and says they have COVID uh, or you discover they have COVID, you have to assume they got from work. Again, OSHA reportable now. Lower risk, you know, if you're a CPA firm and you don't have many, you know, much in the way of employee interaction, most of your employees work from home, you don't, you, the assumption would not necessarily be that they got it. You just need to use your common sense. Um, of course, provide whatever required leave is there under the FFCRA, uh, those sorts of things. But you do not necessarily have to consider it a work reportable injury. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. I hope you found this helpful. I hope you found uh, some interesting uh, items. Please check out peopleprocesses.com. Again, on our website, uh, we have information about all this. Going back, we do have our, our list of partially exempt uh, organizations. If you ever need to look those over, they're on the link on this podcast site, uh, on the website under this episode so it's a, a worthwhile uh, read to double check make sure you're on that list you probably are if you if you don't already know about osha reporting you're probably on this list um, thank you for tuning in my name is rami ali jill i'm the ceo of people processes and i appreciate your time now it's time for you to go out there have a great day and get your work done <laughs>